what a group of hungry friends form fantasy leagues. And then, a platform to talk sports and all their favorite blasts from the past. You get the Joe Random Sports Podcast. And now, your hosts, Steven Thayer and Matt Ramirez. Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast. Steven Thayer here solo today. Matt Ramirez couldn't be here as, like most 49er faithful it's still too early to talk about the loss. Super Bowl 58 was a stressful event. Everyone tells you, well, you should enjoy it. It's the Super Bowl. It's your team. It should be fun. You don't want to take it for granted, but it is not fun when you're playing in it. It is stressful. You are going to ride the emotions, and it isn't fun unless you win. That's my conclusion of my three Super Bowls that I've witnessed in my lifetime of the 49ers. This podcast is uh, somewhat of a vent cast. We've done that the last few years as we've been eliminated from the playoffs. And (laughs) us Niner fans have come on here and aired our grievances. It's just going to be me today. A little bit different tone, different sort of venting, a different kind of grieving of what we witnessed on Sunday and what this means for the 49ers. So bear with me today. And with that, I hate to start off this way, but with this news just coming in, really, really, really sad news in Kansas City with the shooting at the Chiefs parade. Um, I don't know what the numbers are totaling right now in terms of deaths and injuries, but... Um, prayers and thoughts are with the Kansas City community and the families affected, the people affected uh, by the shooting at the parade. I mean, just can't enjoy a good occasion these days. This is really sad. I just can't even imagine the the fear over there. And so thoughts and prayers of my Kansas City family and all those are hurting right now. All right. So moving into the episode. Seven NFC championships in 13 seasons. It's a phenomenal accomplishment. And not a single Super Bowl to show for it. Not a single one. And I remember talking to Bandler last year on the podcast, on the Ventcast, which loss was the worst. We went through and... We oh, well, you know, the, the injury to Navarro, the, the fumbles by Kyle Williams, the Jaquesky Tart drop pick. We go through all of the gauntlet. But the worst loss I figured out is the next one. As Tom Brady said on Man in the Arena, they always ask him, What's your favorite Super Bowl? He said the next one. The same holds true for 49ers playoff losses. The worst one is the next one. Because the nightmare continues. The nightmare continues. I felt really good coming into Sunday. I felt like this was different. 
I felt really solid about this team. We were favored. You know, put those two playoff game struggles behind us. Mahomes doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Yada, yada, yada. I felt really good. But it was too good to be true. And so when people wonder why I get so negative during games and why I'm always saying it's over and, and the game has just started, it's because of things like this. There were multiple moments in the game where I knew the game was over, where Niners fans knew the game was over, and we just had to witness the long, slow death of our team. It was only a matter of time before Patrick Mahomes had the ball to end the game and beat us, like he always does, not just the Niners, but everybody. The Christian McCaffrey fumble. I wasn't upset at it at the time. But you look at what ensued following, and then you realize how big of a mistake it was on that first drive fumbling into Kansas City territory. Second drive after that, luckily our defense got the three and out, got the ball back. Second drive after that, Trent Williams commits two penalties, and we're backed up to second and 27, inevitably have to punt on fourth down. And all of a sudden, the offense stalls out. You're 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, and you realize, oh my goodness, we really needed that first drive. We really needed points on that drive. I thought for sure we were going to score a touchdown on that first drive. We can say, well, Isaiah Pacheco fumbled, and we got it back in that sense. Um, you know, fair enough. But again, can't have any mistakes against the Chiefs. It always seems that they make less mistakes than everybody else. There is no margin for error. Obviously, the Dre Greenlaw injury, that's when I officially knew it was over. That's that, that was the first sign. Once he came out, the Chiefs defense finally started to move the ball against us. Travis Kelsey started to have his way. Once they figured out the soft spots in the defense, we lost our tenacity. We lost our physicality. We lost everything when Dre Greenlaw came out of the game. He really was the Navarro Bowman to Patrick Willis. And this is why I say it reminded me of the NFC Championship game against Seattle years ago when Navarro Bowman tore up his knee and the ref screwed us and all of that. Uh, an end of that era. Now, I don't think this was an end of an era per se, but it's the end for Dre Greenlaw in a 49ers uniform as we know him. Tears his Achilles. He's done. He won't play next year unless he has some sort of Aaron Rodgers type comeback. <laughs> I doubt it, though, at the linebacker position. And then at that point, you know, free agent, where's he going to go next year? His best football's behind him. And it's really sad to see Dre Greenlaw was the Draymond Green of that defense. He was the heart and soul. Fred Warner was the Stephen Curry of the defense, but uh, you needed his sidekick. And aside from Fred Warner and Greenlaw, we don't have enough linebackers. There's no Samson Ebukam. There's no Aziz Al-Shair. You have Oren Burks did okay. We shoot Charles Amenahu. I, mean, I guess wouldn't, the Chiefs didn't have him either, but he was another guy that stepped up in years past. So losing Dre Greenlaw was catastrophic. Now, on that note of Dre Greenlaw, I want to talk about the injuries in the game. The Niners went out with a lot of injuries. There's not a whole lot you can do 
with a pectoral strain or tear, whatever it is for Feliciano. There's not a whole lot you could do with like a stinger with Jair Brown or George Kittle getting nicked up in the shoulder. But when you have a non-contact injury like Dre Greenlaw had on the sideline, and you know he was amped, you know he was jacked up, you saw him before he ran out on the field, and then you have another soft tissue injury with Debo Samuel with the hamstring, I start to question some things. And you, you're wondering, well, where is he going with this? Well, as controversial as this is going to sound, I want to call back to the practice field, the soft sod practice field that we got pigeonholed on because we were the away team at UNLV. People are like, well, what do you mean the practice field is too soft? Let me tell you this. There's no reason why these two guys should have had those kinds of injuries. They were arrested. They're more than trained. I can guarantee you the strength and conditioning and athletic training staffs were doing a really good job managing everything. There was no reason that those things could have happened. Debo and Dre Greenlaw. You could argue that, well, they're broken to begin with. They're always broken. Sure, that's fine. But when you practice on a soft grass field, your body has to work a lot harder to plant, to cut, to get in and out of breaks. It, it's because your foot digs into the grass. Your, your cleat digs into the turf. They're having to work maybe 10 15% harder to go to the same speed that they need to usually go at than, let's say, the turf. Everybody always says, well, the Cowboys are always faster on turf. Well, there is some truth to that. You are slower on grass, and it's because you have to work harder. And so I think about Debo Samuel and Dre Greenlaw. It's not just them, but everybody digging and digging, and they're high-energy guys. They're high-octane guys, and you're digging in practice, and all of a sudden – one little thing happens in the game, and, and thank God Debo played through it, but I can't imagine what kind of pain he must have been in. But the muscles get taxed, and that's what happens. That practice field definitely played a role in this. Definitely. And no one's talking about it. No one. No one, Fish. And you can argue with me on that, but I think the practice field played a role. Every detail matters. Every little thing matters. The referee matters. Bill Vinovich matters. AFC is 3-0 in Super Bowls that he refs. In fact, the AFC wins most of the games that he refs. He holds his flag. He holds his whistle, which I respect. However, when the Chiefs are getting no holding calls in the Super Bowl, this happened in the previous Super Bowl too, no holding calls, they were the most offensively penalized holding team in the NFL this year. And not a single penalty gets called. I get refs are going to blow their whistles. I'm not going to make this episode blaming the refs. I thought the game was officiated okay. But it's not okay in the sense of it was not a representation of the regular season. You want to let Patrick Mahomes cook. I get it. It makes sense. I wouldn't want to be that dude that throws a penalty either, but call it both ways. Please call it both ways. Because that Trent Williams hold, again, was the right call, but there were plenty of calls that should have been, there were plenty of no calls that should have been called. Bosa, Kinlaw, Armstead, Hargrave. Go look at the tape. <laughs> Go look at the tape. 
Bill Vinovich is an AFC guy. It's 3-0 when the AFC team is favored. He's uh, 5-0, and now 6-2 and two in, the, in the Chiefs' last eight games. And he's 2-5 and five in the Niners' last seven games. When I say 2-5, and five, the Niners are 2-5 and five in Bill's last seven games. He's not a good ref for us. I will flip if we get him again in the Super Bowl. So the Niners are now 0-2 this season with Bill. I just have a huge problem with that. A huge problem. This isn't about the referee. This isn't the reason we lost the game. But you go back to the field. You go back to the referee. All of these little things matter. The next reason where we knew the game was over. The Chiefs scoring at the end of the half. Somehow, somehow, Mahomes always has the ball at the end of a half. He had it at the, at the end of the first half, the end of the second half, and then, of course, at the end of overtime. And it's it's, it's almost like an Andy Reid recipe. It's they, They've masterminded it to where Mahomes will always have the ball to end the half or the quarter. Somehow it works. And of course, of course, Harrison Butker hits a 57-yarder to beat Jake Moody's already Super Bowl record 55-yarder. Of course. So I was really upset when the Chiefs scored at the end of the half because they get the ball at the second, the start of the second half. They get all the momentum. And then, of course, we're in trouble when <laughs> we freaking muff the punt. Daryl Luter, ball touches his foot. Ray Ray can't jump on it. Give him a free touchdown. Free touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes. That is not okay. And I know, again, you could say the turnovers even out. Jair Brown had an amazing interception. But we we couldn't do anything with it. I mean, he got the pick, and then we barely could drive the ball. We get pushed back, actually. You have to convert on those things. And so they were able to convert points off the turnovers where we couldn't. Even though the turnovers were 2-2, two to two, we gave them one in like the 10-yard line. It's a free touchdown. Horrible, costly, special teams play, a callback to the Kyle Williams drop punts back into the New York Giants NFC Championship game many, many years ago now. The start of the seven falls of San Francisco. I mean, what's worse? The four falls of Buffalo, losing four Super Bowls in a row, or the seven falls of San Francisco, not winning a Super Bowl in 13 years after getting the seven NFC championships. We're in our own version of the four falls of Buffalo. Four out of the last five years, you lose two NFC championships, you lose two Super Bowls. I don't know what's worse, but... It's the constant disappointment that keeps building. And I just can't believe. I don't know how that doesn't happen if Daryl Luter didn't hear the Peter call to get out of the way. I don't know what happens there. And you can't, you can't blame Ray Ray. You know, he's, he should have jumped on it. Yeah, but he's in the moment. He's trying to get away from it. You don't, you're just acting on instincts at that point. He sees it touch. He's like, oh, shoot. I, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. Back on the turf, Jake Moody. This is the next part, the next part where I knew we lost. You missed the damn PAT. Now he hit it low. Well, why did he hit it low? Well, he hit it low because he kind of slipped. Couldn't get his footing. 
again, it goes back to not practicing on a good field. You get used to a bad grass, then you slip on the turf. Can't happen. Other thing on that play, Feliciano. Feliciano injury. Well, he gets hurt. Now you got to change the protection on the PAT. And then that goes awry. Somebody gets a hand in there that maybe shouldn't have gotten a hand. It's a trickle-down effect for all of these instances. It is it, actually annoying that we got our asses handed to us that bad. You know, you can blame the Chiefs didn't have Charles Omenahu or Joe Tooney, but you had two weeks to prepare without them. That's a whole different ballgame than having to adjust on the fly and move guys over. All the little things matter. Now, you know, we can blame the Jake Moody PAT as the reason we lost the game. I mean, <laughs> I want to take that stance, but I can't because there was a point where the Chiefs were driving down at the end and they settle for a field goal on the fourth and three or fourth and four at the goal line um, because that would that ties the game. But if they were down by four, they were 20, if let's say it was 20 to 16 instead of 19 to 16, they go for it on fourth down, and I'm almost certain they get it. So in a sense, that wasn't the reason. The McCaffrey fumble wasn't the reason. Um, it's hard to point to a specific reason in this game, but it was an accumulation of moments where you knew we were going to lose. And then, of course, towards the end of the game, I knew we were done officially, officially, double officially, when you can't drain the clock enough, you can't convert the first down after the two-minute warning. You knew we were cooked. You knew we were cooked. You play not to lose, you will lose. And I don't know if it was the Chiefs' pressure or the schemes or if it was Shanahan's conservatism. I don't know what it was. But the fact that you couldn't move the ball in the third quarter at all. I think there was a point in the game where he had three yards in the third quarter through six consecutive times when the rushing game, yeah, it wasn't gouging him, but it was, it was getting yards. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had 80 yards on the ground. It was the toughest 80 yards I've ever seen him get in his career. He also added 80 through the air, 160 scrimmage yards, unbelievable, on 30 touches. If you would have told me that Christian McCaffrey would have 30 touches and 160 scrimmage yards, I would have said we would have won the game, and we didn't. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I don't know why we didn't run the ball in the third quarter, and I don't know why we couldn't convert there uh, towards the end of the game to get that first down. Thank goodness Jake Moody came through. I mean, he was making these long kicks, you know, Butker's field goals were chip shots, except for that 57. His his were chip shots. Moody's earning his keep with 53 yarders here and there. Uh, but I knew we were cooked when that happened. And of course, you know, Mahomes responds end of the fourth quarter, ties the game. Classic. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. When he had the ball, those at the end of the half. At the end of the fourth quarter, at the end of the overtime, the Chiefs scored 12 of their 25 points on those three drives. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. You can't let him have the ball at the end of the game. Let's talk about the overtime. The most controversial call of the game. You're third and four. You're threatening. Third and four. Now let's talk about Christian McCaffrey previously gets a six-yard run on first down. I thought the ball spot was a little bit short. I would have given him another yard, but fine. Second and four, you get nothing. Third and four, 
costly, costly blown protection. Obviously, we find out later that it was Spencer Burford. You want to blame Burford? He's been pretty bad this year. He has. Um, but this is what happens when you overload one side. And Spagnolo does this better than any defensive coordinator in the history of the NFL. And you overload one side. Burford thinks he has to help. Well, then you leave Chris Jones free, the one guy you can't leave free. You can't. Brendel has to go help on the left. Burford decides, oh, shoot, I'm going to help too. That was the wrong decision. The wrong decision. And you had Jawan Jennings beat his man. You had Brandon Ayuk beat his man. If he has a fraction of a second more, Purdy hits one of those guys for the touchdown. It's a good play call, just bad protection. It sucks. It sucks. Now, the problem is you kick the field goal on fourth down. And you got to know when you're playing Patrick Mahomes that they're going to score a touchdown no matter what. They're not. There's just no other way. So for me, I would have played four down territory in that situation. Maybe run the football. Maybe do, you know, I mean, you got to play two downs there. That's, that's where I think we messed up. And if you don't get it, at least they're pinned back on like their own seven-yard line. And that's a lot better than, you know, them starting on the 25. You know, it's, it's something. It's something. You know, you're going to lose the game anyway if you settle for a field goal, which is what happened. Mahomes is destined to score a touchdown. Now, everybody wants to criticize Shanahan for, oh, the rules and not knowing the rules and the overtime and the... He shouldn't have taken the ball, all of that. I, I think that's a bunch of nonsense. Um, I think, like he said in the post-game presser, this is a new situation for everybody. Nobody's been in these overtime rules before. And they've talked to their analytics people, and they agree. Everybody agrees that you need to have the ball first because that means you get the chance to win on the third drive. You get a possession. They get a possession. All things matched. You score on the third possession of the overtime. That's that's what the analytics said was the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. I don't think they misplayed that at all. I really don't. Um, but you have to go for a touchdown. You have to play for a touchdown there. And if Mahomes answers back and they go for two, well, then so be it. But you got to play for a TD. You got to play for six. Yeah, I just I feel like Shanahan's gotten too conservative on us. I really do. Three for twelve on third down for us. Nine for nineteen for them. It's just not going to cut it. Nineteen points and four quarters of football. You know, three and a half yards per carry on the ground. I know this is an elite defense. The Chiefs have, but man. You give an extra possession to Mahomes like that, it's crushing. It's absolutely crushing. The Chiefs got 45.7%, 208 yards of their total yardage in fourth quarter and overtime. You got to do something to match that. Now, Brock Purdy played okay. Was it great? No, but he played well enough for us to win. You cannot ask for much more than a second-year quarterback like that. Uh, to to thrive the way he did, he took care of the football. He, you know, he he didn't hurt us. He didn't hurt us. Uh, but what is not okay is the protection. 
And the protection has been an issue all year. Offensive line has been hideous. Okay against with the run. Well, it's okay with the run because you have Christian McCaffrey. You can go up Trent Williams, Juice, and Kittle up the left side every time. But with the pass, it's not okay. Colton McKivitz gave up nine sacks in the regular season, the seventh most pressures in the regular season. He is not a starting right tackle in the NFL. Been saying this for the last two years. Got to find answers on the offensive line. 11 quarterback hits on Brock. 11. That is not okay. And credit to the Chiefs' defense. I mean, they were bringing all sorts of blitz configurations. Spagnolo does the best of disguising and the scheming. It's it's really top-level stuff. I mean, and Shanahan's good enough to prepare for it, but it, it's hard to defend. Six pass defenses. That's tremendous secondary play on the Chiefs' end. And that, that helps when you have a good defensive line like Chris Jones wreaking havoc, like George Karlaftis wreaking havoc. Um, those things make it easier on the secondary. What I've come to terms with is you just can't beat legends. <laughs> you just can't beat Superman at the end of the day. He's always going to win. That's that's the way it goes. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are 9-2 and two when they're down by 7 in the playoffs in the Mahomes era. It's crazy. That's crazy. Nobody wins at that high of a clip. Chiefs are 7-0 without Tyreek Hill and 4-0 without Eric Bieniemy in the playoffs. My goodness. My goodness. All right, let's talk about the defense. Biggest news of the day. Steve Wilkes gets fired by Kyle Shanahan as defensive coordinator for the 49ers after one season. Niners were ranked eight in defense this year. We were third in scoring defense. And we were third in, in rush defense. However, the Niners allowed 159 rush yards per game in the postseason, which is the most by a team entering the Super Bowl since the 66 Green Bay Packers. And of course, we allowed another 130 rushing yards to Kansas City. 66 of those by Patrick Mahomes. Nine for 66. Mahomes beat us with his legs. Nine for 66. He was the leading rusher for the Chiefs. Half of their rushing yards right there. Absolutely unacceptable. Again, part of that is not having Dre Greenlaw in there, but there's got to be discipline issues somewhere. Nick Bosa hinted at it, that they weren't quite prepared for some of the looks. It's interesting, kind of throwing Wilkes under the bus. I don't know. I don't want to read too much into that. Um, I didn't think Steve Wilkes had a fireable offense type of season. I really didn't. Um and, and, it, and it, I question this, and I'm kind of with Emmanuel Acho here. He, he's like, well, where was Shanahan's plan? If you hire him for one season and then question him all year, right, the all-out blitz against the Vikings early on, you're getting mad at him, visibly upset at some of the coverages towards the end of the games, the last few games, 
and then you call a timeout because you didn't like the look of the coverage when you're on defense. I mean, that is that is not good. You are undermining your defensive coordinator. I just something's weird there. Clearly, there was some disconnect. Um, there was a lot of tension between Wilkes. Well, he's up in the booth. He's calling plays. He needs to be on the sidelines. Well, he's a cover two, cover four guy, and he's not adjusting to the makeup of the cover three Niners built defense. I, I don't know what went wrong here, but I think this is kind of unfair to Steve Wilkes. If you didn't think he was the guy after one year, then why did you get him to begin with? It's really, really interesting. Shanahan even said not too long ago, right after the Super Bowl, he said he expects all his coaches to be back. And then, of course, he's the one who ends up getting rid of Steve Wilkes. Now, one thing that I've respected the Niners for, including the Trey Lance thing, is once they have a mistake and they admit it, they move on, which is fair enough. But this was puzzling, especially when Shanahan says one thing, then does the other not too long after. There's rumors that Jed York was behind this of, hey, you've got to have a scapegoat. Otherwise, you are the scapegoat, Shanahan. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds a little extreme, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jed York put pressure somewhere in there because this is really confusing on all fronts. You feel like you'd at least give Wilkes another year. I didn't think the defense was that bad. Was it vanilla? Yes. You have to disguise the coverage as better. Some of that isn't his fault, though. You know, I, I, shoot, the Niners played well enough to win this game. They really did. And that defensive line between Bosa and Armstead, Kinlaw, Hargrave, they really got the pressure against Mahomes. They really were driving those linemen back. That's a good offensive line. I was happy to see them a little more juiced. And again, they're being held every play. <laughs> um, Bosa, three quarterback hits, six tackles, two for loss. Armstead and Hargrave, six tackles apiece, also a sack apiece. They were getting after it. Um, the problem is Wilkes, like Emmanuel Acho said, Wilkes is a guy who likes to blitz. Well, when you blitz in our system, which we needed to do that against Mahomes, that takes away somebody from the secondary. And our secondary wasn't good enough. When Hufanga went down and we had liabilities all over the field, especially when Dre Greenlaw went down, you can't afford to blitz. And you can't because Mahomes will pick it apart. He will absolutely pick it apart. And he did. And I think that was a problem. But it's this, it's it's talent in the secondary that's to be, to be blamed for that as, as part of it. And part of it is, you know, the... The, the, the injuries, and I don't know, but we, we do need another cornerback aside from Charvarius Ward, somebody who can play nickel. That's what we really need. Uh, Lenore was nice. He's good in the slot. Hopefully Gibson can come back for one more year, but you really need to have somebody next to Charvarius Ward on the other side. Um, I, I would love to blitz six guys, but you just can't do that in the current defense. So I'm really curious what they do at defensive coordinator here. Uh, Mike Vrabel is a really intriguing option. He's it's a really intriguing option. Now, if he wants a head coaching job, if I were him, I would just wait, wait a year for the right position to open up. But you do have a chance to win 
the championship if Mike Vrabel comes as a defensive coordinator. I just don't like this idea of Fred Warner having another defensive coordinator, Nick Bosa having another defensive coordinator. These guys are good enough to adjust, but you saw how long it took to adjust to Wilkes, who was an outsider in terms of the organization. So I don't know if this comes internally or what, but this is a very puzzling situation. Defense, yeah, we had our issues this year, but it wasn't that bad. I just wish it was a little bit more nuanced instead of just bringing four guys every single time. Small detail, the Chiefs fumbled the ball five times in the Super Bowl, and they only lost one of them. It's unlucky. Well, lucky on their end, unlucky on our end. <laughs> I'm going to give a few more shout-outs, some positives of the game. Talked about Bosa and Armstead, Hargrave. It's good that all those guys are coming back. Um, Jawan Jennings was the MVP in this game. Jawan Jennings would have won the MVP had the Niners won. I'm positive of that. He was awesome. He was awesome all postseason, awesome all year, awesome his entire career with us. I mean, I he's a restricted free agent. I hope we can get him back. Um, he's been an amazing number three receiver for us, almost like a second tight end in a lot of ways with the way he blocks and his size and his sure-handedness. Fred Warner, 13 tackles. He was all over the field. He really picked it up. What do we expect, though? He's Fred Warner. Kyle Juice, <laughs> the juice, man. He was awesome. Super clutch with his carries and his receptions. He's got such great footwork. He's got such great hands. He's a smart football player. Um, I love that guy. Um, he's awesome. Chris Conley, an unsung hero. He had two critical tackles on special teams. He had the, the down the ball at the one-yard line, and then he had a critical catch as well. Chris Conley bringing it against his former team. He had a really good postseason. Uh, was Thrilled with his play and leadership on special teams. Much better than Ronnie Bell. Uh, George Kittle made a nice catch uh, to, to prolong our, our season, essentially. But I can't believe he was only held to two catches for four yards. That's a problem on the offense. You know, again, you want to blame Steve Wilkes on the defense. But you also have to blame Shanahan on the offense. Which, another small detail... Kittle goes out for a few plays. Warner comes in, backup tight end, penalty late in the game. Luckily, that penalty didn't matter for us. We were still able to get the first down thanks to Juice. But, again, little things matter. Uh, Wisnowski had some great punts. He really did. It's just unfortunate that uh, that one hit Luter. I don't think that's Wisnowski's fault, that's for sure. All right. <sighs> Kyle Shanahan. I'm not going to sit here and push the narrative of, oh, well, he's a choke artist and, uh, oh, he's, you know, he's 0-3 in the Super Bowl as a coordinator. He is. I mean, he's, he's blown three fourth-quarter leads now. That's not a good look. I'm not going to sit here and call for his head, though. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not the man for the job. Um, but it, it, it isn't a good look, that's for sure. He's got to be better. He's got to be better. I think he's an old school guy. He wants to run the football sometimes, but he doesn't go for it a lot on fourth down. You got to find the balance there. One thing I would like to see coming into the offseason, um, can we please not have any holdouts? I feel like Nick Bosa was playing catch up all year, and finally he, he ended up having a good season and all that. 
He's now the all-time 49ers sack leader in the postseason. But that took a while for him to get up to speed. So please, let's not have any holdouts. I don't want any tension. I don't want guys missing valuable camp. The Niners picked up Brandon Ayuk's $14 million option. Um, that's great, but I really hope they can get a long-term deal done with him. I would hate to see Ayuk go. That would be horrible. That would be catastrophic. I really believe that Brandon Ayuk is a Hall of Fame talent receiver. I've, I haven't seen a Niner receiver run the routes that he does so crisp. I He's got such great hands. He's a smart football player. He's a competitor. They have to do what they can to retain Brandon Ayuk. I don't know what that means. I don't know how creative you get with the cap, but he is important to this team. I really hope he does not hold out going into the final year of his contract. We've got to draft a, a right tackle. We've got to draft a right tackle. Um, finally, we have a first-round pick. That's nice. <laughs> you know, you you look at the ramifications of the Trey Lance draft pick, and we saw some of that. We saw some of that these last couple of years because we don't have – current top-end talent. Drake Jackson was out for the year. Jair Brown was our top pick this year. Made a marginal impact. Drake Jackson hasn't made an impact. You really you really are starting to see the effects of not having top-end talent on those first and second rounds. And obviously, I'm thrilled with the McCaffrey trade. That was amazing. But that Trey Lance trade, you know, we're lucky we got Brock because we could have got set back a lot. Uh, we've got to draft a right tackle. We've got to draft a nickel kind of corner. And we've got to draft an outside linebacker. I think those are the top three priorities in this draft. Again, because we don't know what the deal is going to be with Dre Greenlaw. You have to home grow that talent. That's the best way to do it in the NFL because you just can't keep everybody. You already have Bosa making a lot of money. You've got Debo making a lot of money. I don't know. You're going to have to pay Purdy somehow. you got Kittle making a lot of money. They're going to have some issues on their hands. That's why the window is so, so thin. So thin right now. Wouldn't mind to get another pass rusher. I mean, we're losing everybody. Randy Gregory, Chase Young, Cleland Farrell, T.Y. McGill. I believe all these guys are out. Um, it's just those Ken Law's a free agent. So they got to they gotta restock on the defensive line. At the end of the day, that is the identity of this team. Um, Mahomes is a top two, three player in the history of the NFL. It's amazing what we're seeing. Uh, I, it's, it's wild. Um, he's so good. And you can't be mad at yourself from losing to that. You can't. The guys had a great season. The guys played a hard Super Bowl. Like I said, there wasn't one reason we lost. We just barely got outplayed. Barely. We were good enough to win that game. <sighs> On the flip side... I'm just so frustrated, so frustrated. We are stuck as a fan base. We are still stuck on Joe Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice. And I love those guys. They're amazing. We will continue to hang their hats on them. They are the legends of the game, like some of the greatest legends of the game. But man, we have got to get a new era of legends. <sighs> Why couldn't Willis and Gore get one? Why can't Kittle and Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk and Debo and all these guys get one? You're going to look back in history 
And if you got nothing to show for it with two of the most, first of all, the the Harbaugh defenses or the Vic Fangio defenses, Justin Smith and all those guys, for them not to have a Super Bowl and then going to turn around and look at if we don't get a Super Bowl in this current era, this could be the most talented offensive group to never win a Super Bowl. I'm serious about that. And it's really sad. Why can't these guys do it? Just, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. We need a new era. I feel like in a lot of ways, we've taken a hit as a franchise. We were 5-0 and in the Super Bowl 13 years ago. Going, We were 5-0 and in Super Bowls 13 years ago. Now we're 5-3. and I don't like that. That doesn't look good. That's a black mark on our history, I think. Obviously, we're still a top franchise of all time. No question about it. But with the Steelers having six Super Bowls, with Brady's run, I'm like, man, we really got to hurry it up. I don't want Dallas sneaking in there before we get our sixth. (laughs) Um, It's just for the franchise that's had so much success that we've had, this is truly unacceptable. Now, again, I'd love to keep getting back to NFC championships and have all this great success, but if if we're not going to win a Super Bowl, then forget it. Don't put me through that. This was a long, slow death of a Super Bowl. And I don't want to go through that again. Oh, yeah, and, and what if the Niners win the Super Bowl? Does Steve Wilkes go then? Just really weird. Other Super Bowl fun facts. Um... Most watched television program in the history of television programming. Kind of crazy. Usher was not paid by the NFL for the halftime show, but instead projected that he earned $53 million in exposure, (laughs) which is nuts. I thought it was a pretty good halftime show. Love me a little John appearance. It was fun. It was fun. And then... uh, you know, you can talk about the Kelsey's antics, the bumping into Andy Reid, the helmet throwing, all of that. Um, you know, he came out and apologized, and they all brushed it under the rug, of course. I just think if they lose that game, people look at that and say, oh, well, it was such a detriment. But because they won, people can justify it and say, oh, well, it worked and it did okay. It was fine. Just interesting stuff. So, but uh, that's going to about do it for the episode. I really do hope that I can see a Super Bowl win in my lifetime. I really hope the 49er faithful gets to witness one in this era. Um, if not, it will, it will be a tough climb back, I feel like. I don't know. But I really do hope I get to witness one. I do want to congratulate the Chiefs on their third Super Bowl in five years. They've truly done an amazing job coaching-wise, the, the staff, the players. It's it's not easy to do. Dynasty for sure, back-to-back Super Bowls, first time in 20 years. It's really amazing. Um, so congrats to them. And once again, thoughts and prayers with the Kansas City community right now. I can't imagine what that is like. Uh, just a senseless tragedy, and I'm sure there were a lot of brave souls that were helping and guiding people to safety. I know they have great hospitals out there, Children's Mercy, St. Luke's, Kansas City Health, uh, such a great city, and 
great people to help. So uh, we'll pray that uh, everybody else can recover and we can rally around this tragedy. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us on all the socials at Joe Randoms SN. And I hope you all just keep swishing and don't strike out.